taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city boy, giving him your best Nothing like the rest, passing every test You know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city boy, giving him your best Nothing like the rest, passing every test You know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city boy Give him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Praise the Lord Thank you, Corey Thank you guys For bringing us into worship Yeah, our cars may have brought us here today but we know that the Lord who was on our side is really the one who we need to stop and thank this season of thanksgiving that we find ourselves in today it's a wonder sometimes how we can um, just number the things that God has done for us that we're thankful for. I mean, it's impossible to make that list, but I think that we are all challenged to at least try. You know, begin with some of the obvious things like the clothing and the food and the shelter, but there are other things that are so, so subtle that sometimes we get sometimes confused, I guess, as whether or not it's God's hand that has really provided this for us. When we look at our workplaces and how we've established ourselves in society and how strong people rely on us in our workplaces, that didn't just come from our intellect. And I have to stop sometimes and humble myself before God because of the favor sometimes that is on our lives. Because the favor of the Lord is something that you could take for granted really quickly, you know? Uh, unlike uh, some of the other things that we have to be grateful for, yeah, we're grateful for our families and the love that we have towards one another. But in this season of Thanksgiving, and I know like many of you all, I'm stuffed to the brim with some of this turkey and I'm about tired of the dressing and all of the trimmings that come along with that. But now we're in the mode and the mood of Thanksgiving and worship. We've come to this place to do just that. And um, I want, I'll be remiss if I don't stop right here and just thank not just God, but also my pastor for uh, allowing me this opportunity to stand here before you and to bring a message. Um, the message today is going to be powerful, to say the least. But I hope and pray, my prayer is that it also is a revealing and a convicting word for somebody. Because it truly convicts and is powerful. I'm going to read and um, pray and uh, we'll get started. Father God, we come before your throne this morning to give you praise and to give you glory and to honor you and to acknowledge that we are nothing without you. 
separate from you, we can do nothing. But the scriptures tell us that with you, we can do all things. The scriptures tell us that in all things are possible with you. That nothing is impossible with you. I ask now the impossibility of favor on our lives, of healing. I pray, Father, for revelation. I pray your spirit now in this place. I pray, Father, that we do not leave this place the same as we entered, but that the power and the might of your spirit alone will rest in us so that we will be better than we were when we entered. And Father, now that the preaching moment is at hand, I pray that your word will be evident. I pray that you now seat me now here with these, your people, and that you speak for your people are listening. We thank you and we give you praise and glory, needing not to see it done in order to believe it done. And we declare it so in Jesus' name. Amen. And the church said amen as well. Amen. Amen. So today I want to talk a little bit about this story that God has placed in my heart for quite some time in regards to healing, restoration, and love, joy, victory, uh, it comes out of the book of John. Now, now John is an awesome writer. He's uh, the fourth writer of the gospel. Um, in this particular story where it opens up in John 5, it is a similarity to some of the synoptic other versions of Matthew, Mark, and Luke about the healing of a paralytic man. But the uniqueness of John in this particular book that he writes is that John has the uncanny ability for me, and I don't know, it might be speaking to somebody else here today too. Um, John has this uncanny ability of in his writing skill to draw me into his story. He uses vivid imagery in his writing skills. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why God chose John to write the gospel of John and also write Revelations, this book that we know as the end book of our Bible. Now, John's ability to use poetry and um, art and physical science to bring a story alive jumps off the pages in Revelations. Anybody read Revelations? Yeah, it's powerful. It's powerful how he can take that book and draw a story on paper that makes me visualize something in my mind that jumps off the pages that I can experience what the literal pavement of the road in heaven looks like. He can describe 
perfectly how it would be for me when I reach heaven. This place that is called the kingdom of heaven. But that's, that's revelation. John writes this book, the gospel of John, for one purpose and one purpose only. John wants us and the writers then to focus and focus hard on the fact that this very same Jesus, that, the, that is the long-awaited uh, Jewish Messiah, is the very same Jesus for us here today, which we know as the Son of God. John's only purpose is to prove to his readers that this Jesus is the very same Son of God. The text opens up like this, and I'll be reading from King James. King James is a book that I got my teeth cut on, so to speak, when I was brought into the family of the beloved. Now, it's, it varies from any other version of the Bible. The King James, for me, is the artistic side of the gospel. It draws me in because of the artistic language. It draws me in because of the vivid imagery that it displays. Now, the language might be a little rough for a, a little of you youngsters because there are a lot of these, thous, and those that be found in the King James Version. Um, but bear with me and I'll translate as we go along. John opens up in verse 1, and I'll be reading verse 1 through verse 9. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is a, in Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the movement of the water. Verse four, for, for emphasis of this text, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity, 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been in that place a long time, and in that case a long time, he saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me in to the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on that same day was a Sabbath. 
thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. May the Lord add a blessing to its reading. So I've coined today's sermon, God's Desire for Us All. God's Desire for Us All. And what we see from the text, what God's desire for us all is, is that we be made whole. Just to preface the text again, in the verse where Jesus asked this paralytic this very same question, in verse 6, he says, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, wilt thou be made whole? Lying for a long time in that case, a lot of preachers and have preached this sermon and have given us the impression sometimes that this gentleman, this paralytic, had been lying at this pool for 38 years. But that's not the case. It's not that he's been lying at the pool 38 years. It's just that he's been in a certain state for a long period of time. And there may be someone here today or someone streaming today that may be able to relate to this man's condition of being in a certain state or condition longer than we need be. Jesus saw him in this state. And he discerned that he had been this way for a long time. John wants us to see three things from the text. He points to the fact that he wants us to know that it is God's desire for us to be whole. And in us being whole, that we not be in whole for long periods of time. God does not want you stuck anywhere for a long period of time. God does not want you worried in a worried state or a depressed state for long periods of time. God says that he wants you whole. And in some cases, in some versions of this particular story, it is stated that Jesus declared this word whole to be healed. In the King James Version, you will see the word whole. In all other versions, this question is asked with the word healed. Do you want to be healed? NIV, NASB, doesn't matter. They're using this term healed. But in the King James, he uses this term whole because it encompasses and a more grander area, a more spacious area. He wants every area, every facet, every walk of our lives, every area of our spheres of influence to be made whole. Whatever walk of life you find yourself in, God wants you to be whole in it. Whatever plans you may have, 
to whatever degree that is, whatever level of education you wish to attain, whatever zip code you wish to live in, whatever it is your heart's desire, God wants you whole in it. But what does that look like, Pastor? You might ask. Well, I go back, to, my mind goes back to the text. And in the beginning of John 5, in verse 1, he says, after this. This word, this term, after this, leads me to believe that something has happened previous to chapter 5. And what it is doing is pointing back to chapters 2, 3, and 4. In these chapters preceding chapter 5, John wants us to see the desire of God's heart to make us all whole, leading from the miracle in Canaan up to chapter 5, where we find our text now, where he's healing a paralytic. John is pointing out this miracle in chapter 5. This is one of the third miracles of his ministry. But he uses this, John uses this terminology that after this, because he wants us to look at what has preceded before this. We found Jesus in Canaan at a marriage making it whole when they ran out of wine and he told them fret not get me some water and he makes water into wine we further see him having a conversation at a well in chapter 3 I do believe it is with this woman who should not have been there at a well drawing water and Jesus asked this question give me water and then we see a conversation again in three where Jesus is asking this question and making a statement to Nicodemus to be born again and fast forward to five we now see Jesus now having another conversation at a pool. Now this pool is on a location called Bethesda. It is a pool that based on Hebrew terminology is described as a place of pity or a place of mercy. We now find Jesus in his comfort zone. That's what the church is all about, y'all. That's why we come here. Because this place called City Point is also a pool of Bethesda. This place is a pool where people can come to get mercy. This place is a place where we Give out mercy so that those that come in can be healed. 
We know this place of, is a place of mercy because John writes and gives this imagery in the backdrop that he says that is surrounded by a multitude of people that are in a certain state, that are in a certain condition. But Jesus' focus is on one man and one man alone. Now, I don't know why this miracle is just for this one man. But I'm going to allude to it at the end, and I'm going to jump back to this fourth, fourth verse here in uh, John. But right now, I want to laser in on why it is Jesus picks this man. So the only thing that stands out that is not mentioned about any of the multitude is time. How long we've been in our conditions. Jesus sees that this man has been in this state or this condition for a long time. And I don't know about you, but I've been there. I've been there, done that, and I got a t-shirt in it where I get kind of stuck in the mud in some of the states that I found myself in. But I'm here to let you know that Jesus is the one. This very same Jesus that we're talk, that John is talking about now, he asked this question, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be whole? He asked that to me today, and he's asking that to you. Do you want to be made whole? I want to jump to the second point here about Jesus' direction to this paralytic. It also speaks to us. Jesus gives a commandment to this paralytic to get up, to pick up his bed, and to walk. I got the get up part. By faith, this man must now receive his healing by being a participant. Sometimes our blessings come when we participate in that blessing rather than just being a recipient of that blessing. So God wants to co-junction with this miracle with this paralytic and gets him involved. He says, get up. The man gets up. He says, pick up your bed. The man picks up his bed. And he says, walk. Man walks. This is pointing to the awesome authority showing the awesome heart of God and how he wants and desperately for us to be made whole. Because he gives this commandment to this paralytic to pick up his bed and walk. This bed is a representation of this man's affliction. Why in the world would God have me carry around the same burden that I have always been troubled with. But I'm here to contend with you today that sometimes God will call you to bear your cross. The scriptures tell us this, that we must pick up our crosses daily and follow him. Those crosses sometimes are waiting. He also says in the third part, Jesus restores. 
we see this endlessly, how Jesus brings back to order all things. Jesus not only restores, he restores specifically. He restores whether you are in trouble or out of trouble, good times, bad times. He restores every single thing. But in this story, he restores on the wrong day of the week. Restoration should not happen based on the law on the Sabbath. But they didn't know that the Lord of the Sabbath was the one who was doing the restoring. It is Jesus who restores. It is Jesus who directs. And it is Jesus who has asked us whether we want to be made whole. This issue of being whole brings me to this good news that we serve a God that wants us to be whole, but also wants us to be whole, not just healed. See, he could have healed this paralytic, but that does not mean necessarily you being healed from a physical affliction that you don't have some issues with your psychological makeup, with your mental state, with our whatever, you fill in the blank. But God doesn't want you to leave his presence without you being made whole again. And he did not want this paralytic to leave without being made whole either. He says to us all, come unto me all who labor and are heavy laden and burdened and I will give you rest. That's God. That's the promise of God. He says that he will restore. He says that he will make whole. He says that it is in his authority that we do well. This points to the fact that Jesus is available at all times. We see from the story that in verse 4, let me jump back here and then I'm going to close with this last statement here. And it says in verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water troubled the water. This troubling of this water is a visual and points me to the fact that this angel that John is pointing to is this very same Jesus. This is a um, possible Christophany, a, a, a vision of an angel of the Lord who is seen throughout scripture appearing. But fast forward, here we have now Jesus at this pool of Bethesda with this paralytic. And he tells this paralytic all of these things to do because he now is a representation of living water. He is the bread of heaven. He is the alpha and the omega. This representation of him being the living water, giving him this paralytic, this command to pick up his bed and walk. 
is the story that has been told for ages. And it is the story that I am telling today for us as well. We need to also get up, pick up our beds, and walk. Because Philippians tells us that we can. It says that in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Get up, pick up your bed, and walk. Because God's desire for you is to be made whole. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are made new. Get up. Pick up your bed and walk. Why? Because God's desire for us is to be made whole. If any man, Luke 9.23 says this, if any man, and it's not gender. It's not based in gender. It's based in the willingness for us to follow him. He says that if any man follow him, he must deny self and daily pick up his cross. I close with this. Being made whole will always require us to be a participant in the process. Oh.